survey was done to see which characters in the Christmas story that people would best relate to or identify with. How many of you think it would be Mary? How about Joseph? The wise man? Herod? Probably not Herod. Well, as many of you probably guessed, the shepherds came out by far on top. People identified with the shepherds, most of all, out of any characters in the Christmas story. And we'll think about the shepherds and how what they experienced can be related to our lives. Very relevant. Uh, Luke chapter 2, 8 through 20. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Very familiar story uh, to many of us. And, And perhaps we've become so comfortable with that story that it's developed into part of a legend in our minds. And and sometimes in the busyness of this season, perhaps we forget or we neglect the meaning of Christmas. And so this morning, we're not going to forget that this baby who was born in Bethlehem is Jesus, the Son of God, who brings great joy today. Not just then, but today. The shepherds receive news about this gift, and that gift keeps on giving. And because of what the shepherds did, we, too, can sing joy to the world. Now, I find it interesting that God chose to send a birth announcement about his son to shepherds. And Luke 2.8 really doesn't tell us a whole lot about who they are. There's no adjectives used here to describe them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. But as we read about shepherds throughout history, shepherding was a noble profession. Great men like Abraham and Moses and David, for example, were shepherds. And we know that in the Bible, God describes himself as the great shepherd. But as time goes on and we reach the first century, shepherding has lost a lot of respect. In Jesus' day, shepherds made up the lowest class of people coming in just ahead of lepers. 
And the Jewish rabbis would quote their law about shepherds and they would say, no help is to be given to heathens and shepherds. So you can kind of feel the the level of love there or lack thereof. Um, So let me just tell you a little bit about shepherds in that day. Um, First of all, they were ceremonially, ceremonially unclean because of their... Uh, work and the nature of it, they weren't able to attend religious services. And so as a profession, they became people who were often isolated and forgotten. And because their flocks needed to move around to new grass um, and fresh, find fresh water, they didn't stay in one place for very long. But shepherds in that day were treated with contempt and mistrust. They were often suspected of stealing or confusing thine with mine. Uh, Their testimony, for example, was never allowed in court because they were so unreliable. Their reputation was known to be brash and bold, and they lived out in the fields away from society, which made them unappealing to most people. And most of them had foul mouths, and they were ready to fight at the drop of a hat. So with that backdrop... Why would God entrust the greatest message ever sent from heaven to a bunch of smelly shepherds? Why would he do that? Well, as we look at Scripture, this really isn't unusual for God, is it? Because God has always worked wonders for the forgotten and for the despised and for the lowly. From the beginning of his time on earth, Jesus said he came to those who felt Horrible or were humble. He says in Matthew 9, 12, and 13, for example, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And as we read about Jesus, we see that he reached out to sinners, like Zacchaeus and Levi. He reached out to prostitutes, to demon-possessed, and Samaritans. And so Jesus did in his ministry... What the father did in a borrowed stable when the lowly shepherds were looking on to their Lord as the cattle were there lowing. And Mary captures all of this in her song in Luke chapter 1 verse 52. She says, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 26 through 29. He says, Brothers, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things so that no one may boast before him. This is good news for us this morning. That God cares about these shepherds. Notice what our text does not say this morning. It doesn't say... Now there were in the same region scribes keeping watch over their scrolls. Doesn't say anything like that, does it? The Lord comes to the lowly. He comes to the most undeserving and the neglected in order, I believe, to show his power. And so the shepherds help us see that God has a message for sinners just like you and I. That everyone matters to God. This is good news. 
Because the only announcement of Christ's birth goes out to a bunch of uneducated outcasts of society. But I believe that as we look at the shepherd's response, we're going to see that there are some things that we can learn from these smelly shepherds. What can we learn from the shepherds? If you're taking notes this morning, first of all, we see that they were attentive. They were attentive to their jobs. Listen to Luke 2.8 again. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. These guys were so committed that they never left their work. They not only worked the third shift, but they also pulled the second and the first. This was a 24-7 deal for them. We, we also see from this verse that they were faithful since they were keeping watch. And it was often the case for shepherds uh, that, that different flocks would come together at night. And one of the shepherds would literally lie across the entrance to make sure that none of the sheep could get out and no predators could get in. Which I believe gives new meaning to John 10.9 in which Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. So notice that God came to those who were attentive at the jobs they were given to do. They weren't slackers, and he met them right where they were. Likewise, for you and I, whatever God has called us to in life, be attentive to it and do it with excellence. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. So this morning, you might be tempted to think, God doesn't really know much about my life or doesn't really care much about my life. Or maybe you think that you've lived your life in such a way that God is probably angry with you. Or maybe he's discouraged with you. If you have those kinds of thoughts here this morning, I want you to know that like the shepherds, you don't have to clean yourself up on your own. You don't have to act like someone you're not. If you smell like a shepherd, let Jesus wash you. Let him wash you up. If your sins are wiping you out, allow Jesus to forgive you and to lift you up and to free you from sin. He's the one that can do that. Let Jesus wash you. Also, if you have those thoughts, remember the Bible says you were created in the image of God as an original masterpiece. The scripture says the signature of the creator is inscribed on your heart, on your soul. So you have value. The shepherds have value. They show us how to be attentive. Secondly, they were awed. They were awed. While they're being attentive to the jobs they're given, they're suddenly awed by an angelic announcement in Luke 2.9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And so, indeed, God meets us where we are, but then he often brings us to our knees. For the shepherds, God's glory lights up the sky, and he causes them to quake in their sandals. And I believe in the same way, whenever we come face to face with God's holiness, we fall apart because of our sinfulness. 
This happened to many people in the Bible. Peter, for example, fell on his knees and he had the same kind of response to Jesus in Luke 5, 8. He says, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Shepherds are terrified. And, and maybe they're terrified because they don't know if this is an angel of judgment or not. Maybe they felt like their sins were catching up to them and now is their time to be vaporized. We don't know for sure. But whatever the case, we know that they were in awe. And I think it would take a lot for a tough group like this to be in awe or to be terrified. And so for you this morning, I wonder, when was the last time that you were in awe? Kind of sounds like last week, doesn't it? When we were talking about marveling and marveling at the Messiah. Do you marvel at the Messiah? Has it been a while since you were on your knees before him? The shepherds were awed. Thirdly, they accepted the message. These attentive shepherds are filled with awe, but now they accept the good news. In verse 10, the angel says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. So that's good news in itself, that being a Christian is not a joyless life. In fact, it's just the opposite. The good news of the gospel brings life. And in another place, Jesus says, abundant life at that. But what great joy. And we know that the shepherds accepted the message because in verse 15 we read, let's go to Bethlehem and see. Sounds like the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. So have you accepted the message and allowed the words of God to work in you? Are you open to what God has to say? God's good news is a gift, but it must be received for it to be active, for it to be activated in you and I's life. We must receive that just as the shepherds do. They accepted this message. And then fourthly, they acted. They acted. So they don't just accept it in their minds. They don't just enjoy the message they receive. They do that. But they also act upon it. Look at Luke 2.16. It says, So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And the word hurried off here means they left in haste. And the idea is, come on, hurry up, let's go. And if you think about it, it's pretty amazing in itself because shepherds normally didn't do anything quickly. They were patient men, often accustomed to moving slowly through the pastures, moving slowly for their sheep. But they moved here. They acted on it. And the Bible is clear that acceptance must lead us to action. Or as James 2.17 says, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. The shepherds could have doubted, they could have delayed, but instead they decide to act and they move. First, they went and they saw. The first thing they did was to go to Bethlehem. Um, They wanted to see this baby with their own eyes. And so, 
If you think about it, a baby born in a smelly stable, not a problem at all for these uh, men used to the scent of sheep. They probably had a a specific smell uh, on their own. Not a problem at all. But do you see the, the irony here that unclean shepherds come to this smelly stable to see the holy of holies lying on a bed of straw? They acted. They went and they saw. And then they left and they shared. Right? They don't pull up a bale of straw and make themselves comfortable. They don't hang around the manger because they know that now they are the managers of the message. They can't help but share it. And notice that the message that they share has nothing to do with seeing these amazing angels. Maybe that's part of the story. But there's no reference to Mary's magnificence or Joseph's job. They came to to see him and now they head out to herald the good news. Look at verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And the word spread there means to make known in such a way that people can understand. And so you and I are here today because they could not keep quiet. They had to share the message. They had to share what God had shown them, how he'd revealed themselves to them. And so for us this morning... What area is is God calling you to action? How is he calling you to spread the message? Because it's not enough to just say that we have faith or to feel good. There comes a time after we see the Lord, after we see his glory, after we experience what he has for us, that we go out and we share that and we're involved in sharing that in some way. It has to come out of us. The shepherds show us how to accept the message and then act. And then finally, this morning, they adored. Notice the shepherds go back to their same boring jobs afterwards. But they aren't the same on the inside. They return to where they started and they're attentive again. But notice they don't write a book They don't go on a speaking tour. Um, They don't launch a ministry called A Shepherd's Story. Nothing like that. They go right back to their everyday routine. But they've been changed. And, And I mention that because after this season of Advent, you and I are going to return to our normal routines. But the hope is that This season changes us, not the season itself, but the Holy Spirit changes us. That once again, we're filled with awe and that it moves us to adoration. This also gives us hope that it's possible to have joy in the midst of some very difficult jobs that we're doing. We can still have joy in the midst of those. Look at Luke 2.20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so notice they don't just wonder about what they saw. They worship him who they saw. A clear evidence of conversion, a clear evidence of belonging to God, a clear evidence of being an active follower 
is adoration. Because when a person genuinely belongs to God, when they're genuinely converted, he or she will praise God. God will reveal himself and we can't help but adore him and praise him. So allow yourself in this Advent season to adore Emmanuel, God with us, as you glorify and as you praise him for all that you've seen and for all that you've heard and for all that he's done. This passage gives us hope because we can return to the same place tomorrow. But we're not the same because it's God who changes us. The shepherds are changed forever by what they saw. And you and I can be too, depending on how we answer these questions. I have these in the notes this morning as well. But just to reflect on these questions. Will you be attentive to what God has called you to do? Shepherds were. Will you be awed by God's message to you? How he's revealing himself to you? Shepherds were. Will you accept the gift of God news, of good news, excuse me? Will you act on what you know to be true? And then finally, will you adore Emmanuel constantly? You see, the gift of Jesus was for all people, but it first must be received. The shepherds had to personalize their response to the story. Jesus was indeed born to the whole world. He was also born to you. What what I mean by this is that Christmas is real history. It happened. It's a real story. It's It's not a fairy tale. It's not made up. It actually happened. It's a real story. And we know the story pretty well. But it must become your story. Luke 2.11 says, Today, that means right now, in the town of David, a Savior, meaning one who forgives sin or frees us from sin, has been born to you. He is Christ, meaning the long-awaited Messiah, the Lord, your Master and your Leader. And so for you and I this morning, is He Savior to you? Is He Christ or Messiah to you? Is He Lord to you in your story? I love what Corey Ten Boom once said. She said, If Jesus were born 1,000 times in Bethlehem and not in me, then I would still be lost. And so this morning, if you're not sure that God is born in you, if you're not sure that you're an active follower of Him, if you're not sure, let's say that you would die tonight, you're not sure if you would go to heaven and hell, if you don't have assurance about that, I want you to know that you can have that today. And you can have that by having a conversation with God, by asking Him to forgive you and cleanse you and make you His.